I got a call from Pastor uh, Caleb. Uh, he and Seth, as they do most Saturday nights, come uh, Saturday night and they pray in the altar for our service today. They're faithful to serving us. But this morning, he caught the Allen bug. For about two weeks, there's been a bug that's been going through their house. And so I said, Pastor, stay home. We got this. And I am so excited that at 6.30 this morning, I got to call Miss Sue and said, Guess what, Sue? I've got a blessing for you. You get to preach in the house today. And that is always a good day in our house when Sue is going to share a word with, with us. So, Miss Sue, would you just come and bring the word? We're thankful for you. And thanks for, thanks for coming off the bench early this morning and agreeing to be here. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think my biggest, my biggest challenge in getting ready for this morning was my daughter and granddaughter are visiting. And when my granddaughter comes... She sleeps in our walk-in closet in her little pack-and-play. So I had no cute clothes. So here I am. <laughs> so, so grateful to be with you today and, and just feel uh, just blessed to be able to minister uh, the word to you this morning in just the exciting times that we're living in. And I wanted to start this morning with a story. It's actually uh, some science uh, researchers uh, were studying, doing an experiment that involved in a little amoeba, you know, the little one-celled creature. And they introduced this amoeba into a perfectly stress-free environment. They created the ideal temperature, the optimal concentration of moisture, constant food supply. The amoeba had an environment to which he, uh, they had made it where he had to make no adjustment whatsoever. So you would think that the little guy was this little happy amoeba. Um, whatever it is that gives that amoeba ulcers and high blood pressure was gone. Yet, oddly, it died. Apparently, there is something about all living creatures that demand challenge. We require change, adaptation, and challenge, just like we require food and air. Comfort alone will kill us. Now, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I, I like comfort either uh, something about routine and predictability. I mean, even when we go away on vacation, there's something about coming home and getting back into the routine. There's this feeling of being in control that, you know, this mentality that I got this. I got this. I got, I got a handle on things, man. I got this. <clears throat> I know... <clears throat> that God uh, has not called any of us uh, to a comfort zone. Um, and I've been walking with the Lord for over 40 years, and I have yet to follow God into what he's called me to do and not experience discomfort. I don't know about your journey. Um, but see, I am called to follow God. I'm not called to have a Christian lifestyle where I add Jesus to it and I come to church on Sunday morning and, 
I might go to a small group if I'm a really good Christian. And if I'm really good, I might come to prayer on Wednesday night. And I just really live in this world that I manage and control and add Jesus to it. See, that's not what Jesus has called me to. Jesus has called me to follow him. I am in a walk with God. And there are some passages in the scripture where we see Jesus working with his disciples, with his followers, those who had been called to follow Jesus. See, we're called to follow him. We're called to a walk with God. And in Matthew 14, the disciples had just finished the experience of watching God multiply food the little bit they had and feed the five, feed the 5,000, which I'm going to talk about more in a minute. But after that event was over, Jesus, when the evening had come, Jesus told the disciples to get into the boat. He was going to go up into the mountain and pray. And so the disciples in their mind are thinking, this is just a routine trip across the lake. We're going to get into the boat. We're going to the other side. They've probably had done it multitudes of times. This is just routine, predictable trip across the lake. So as they get about 600 feet out into the ocean or out into the lake, all of a sudden the wind whips up and this major storm whips up. And it says this in verse 25 of Matthew 14. And in the fourth watch of the night, wait, let me go up into uh, verse 24. But the boat was already many uh, stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. That word batter there can also be translated tormented. So what they were experiencing was this routine trip across the lake had all of a sudden turned into this tormenting, difficult, challenging experience. It wasn't routine or predictable. This feeling of, I got this, was gone. And all of a sudden, they see Jesus walking toward them on the water. And Peter gets this, this uh, courage to say, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus gives Peter this command, and he says, come. He says, come. He speaks a word to Peter who was following him, and he was saying to Peter, follow me out of the boat. Get out of the boat. Come to me. I'm not going to come to you where you are, but you come to me out of the boat. And so Peter makes the response, responds, and we all know he comes out of the boat, and he's doing great. He's got his eyes on Jesus. He's doing good. He's walking on the water. All of a sudden, his perspective shifted to the waves and the wind, and Peter began to sink. Immediately, Jesus reaches down and pulls him up. But in so many, when you look through the Scripture, it just amazes me that I cannot walk with God without being willing to hear him say, come out of the boat. Coming out of the boat is always a risk. You cannot take a step of faith and avoid risk. 
Faith and risk always, always, always go together. I cannot follow God if I am not willing to take some risks, to get uncomfortable, to lose that feeling of, I got this. You know, I think about, I just was thinking this morning about other people in the scripture who took risk. Uh, I, I think about Rahab and the spies. Um, you know, talk about taking a risk. She had, she had broken loyalty with, with, the, with her, uh, the, the, her, the people that she lived with all her life. And she decided that she was going to throw her hat in and be loyal to God. Be loyal to the God of, of Israel. So the spies come into the land and Rahab had to take the risk of approaching the spies and hiding them. She could have gotten caught. She could have been killed. There was great risk in it. But Rahab took the risk of identifying herself with God. She hid the spies She partnered with what God was doing in the earth in that moment, and she changed her life. You cannot partner with God and play it safe. I think about Esther. I mean, we all know the story of Queen Esther. You know, she's she's in a situation where she is making a decision that is life-threatening. She goes in to see the king. She could lose her life. She takes the risk of partnering with God in the moment that she was called to, and she changed the destiny of the nation of Israel. If I will take the risk and partner with God in the moment that he is saying to me, come out of the boat, it changes things. Oh, that makes me excited. Peter, I love this about Peter. Peter facing his failure. You know, Peter failed. He, he denied Christ at a critical moment. He was restored. Jesus restored him on the beach after his resurrection. And when we look at Acts 1.14, I love these words. But Peter, this is after Pentecost, and the crowd is gathering around the place where, that was shaken by the Holy Spirit and they receive the Holy Spirit and they go out and this is what it says about Peter. But Peter taking his stand with the 11 raised his voice and declared to them. So this man who had utter failure, who was just broken by his failure, feeling like there was he was no longer useful, all of a sudden he gets restored by the Lord, and he gets up and he takes his stand with the eleven in confidence, raises his voice and declares the truth about who Jesus is. That is powerful. God is so good. But see, for us... When I begin to, my my comfort begins to get messed with. When change comes into my life, change causes fear, can cause fear. It creates a defensiveness in me, and I want to self-protect. Change will always create discomfort. See, I'm all about change as long as it doesn't mess with me. 
As long as it doesn't require anything of me, as long as it doesn't make me face my insecurities, don't make me look at my weaknesses, don't cause me to do something that I don't feel prepared to do. You know, as long as you don't ask me to do any of those things, I'm good. But I found with walking with God, I don't think I've ever done anything in God that I felt prepared to do. I don't think I've ever done anything for God that I felt like, oh, I got this. I got this, God. You know, have a seat, God. I got this. No, you do it in fear and trembling. You do it because you are a follower of God. Amen? Follower of Jesus. So, um, and I know the little team back there doesn't have any of my scriptures because this is hot off the press. So... Mark 6. I'm going to go to Mark 6, and I'm going to look at the, the rendition of um, the feeding of the 5,000 in Mark 6. So if you have your smartphone or your Bible, I love hearing the pages. Thank you to those who bring their Bibles. Uh, Mark 6. Uh, let's see where. Um, let's go ahead and uh, um, I'll just start at the top. Let's look, start at verse 33. Um, Jesus is going to, this is the teaching of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And the people saw them going and many recognized them. And they ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and he felt compassion for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and began saying, The place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered and said to them, See, here comes the challenge. Their their comfort zone was, Send them away. Let them go by themselves, something to eat. You know, this is, this, I, this, is, this is where I feel comfortable and where I feel like, like we need to go. This is predictable. So Jesus answered them and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they, uh, they said five loaves and two fishes. And he commanded them all to recline by groups on the green grass. And they reclined in companies of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. I love this little phrase. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. Now that phrase in that passage of scripture there for looking up toward heaven is translated in all four Gospels, and it's used as the phrase, the blind receiving their sight. So every time you see that phrase, the blind receiving their sight, it is exactly the same Greek language as Jesus looking up towards heaven. And the phrase literally means to gain sight to lift up your eyes and see. So what was Jesus doing? 
Jesus was looking at this crowd and at this multitude. The disciples were looking at what was manageable and controllable. Send them away. Let them go get food for themselves. Jesus was getting ready to change them and challenge them and grow them up. And he said to them, no, you give them something to eat. They looked in their little bag. They looked at their five loaves and their two fish. They looked in their little money bag and they looked out at the crowd and they said, too many, not enough. Too many, not enough. They were looking at uh, walking with God uh, according to what they were comfortable with, within the natural realm of what they could see with their natural eye. So Jesus takes that, that minimal five loaves and two fishes, and it says this, that he looked up. I love that. He looked up, and Jesus was able to look up into heaven and see what heaven was doing to see what heaven was going to provide in this situation. Jesus looked up and saw what his father had on his mind. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is challenging us as a congregation to look up and see what is God saying to Christian Renewal Church? What is God asking me to do to partner with Christian Renewal Church? It might take you out of your comfort zone. Looking up toward heaven, Jesus gained the perspective of heaven on what God wanted to do with what they had. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to go from not enough to an abundance. Amen? He was showing them how small effort can have a huge impact. Don't ever diminish what you have or what you do. Look up toward heaven and gain a new perspective. See what heaven sees and watch what God will do when you walk in obedience. See, there's this, there's this gap between what I hear the Lord say and actually taking my first step of obedience. See, I got a whole journal at home, I don't know about you do, of things I've heard the Lord say to me. But where the challenge comes for me is that after I've heard, there's almost always a step of obedience required where I have to get up out of the boat and take that step of faith to see the release of what I've heard God say to me. See, a lot of us are sitting around waiting. We're waiting on God to do what he said, what I heard him say. I'm waiting on God. God's, God's not, you know, fulfilling. And there is timing and there is preparation, so I don't want to diminish that at all. But there will come a moment when God will t require you to get out of the boat. Those around you will be in agreement with you that, yes, it's time for you to get out of the boat. You've gone through the preparation. You've gone through the training. You are ready. And it always requires a step of faith, which requires risk. So one of the things I've discovered in walking with Jesus is perspective is everything. 
See, he can ask me to do something, and I can feel, you know, I don't, I don't know if you hear voices, but I, I sometimes hear voices in my head. Uh, you know, my, 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 I, my voices tell me this. You can't do this. You're not enough. You're going to fail. You don't know what you're doing. Who in the world do you think you are? So perspective is everything. So I've learned that that is never the voice of God in my head. Never the voice of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't say those things to me ever. And perspective is everything. And just like Jesus needed to lift up his eyes and get a new perspective, we all in our lives need to lift up our eyes and get God's perspective. What is he up to? What is he, what is heaven doing in my situation? So I need to be able to see, I need to be able to hear the Holy Spirit. Flip with me to James 1. Because James takes that idea of hearing and obeying, and he kind of embellishes it in the first chapter in James. Because hearing and obedience always go together. Hearing and obedience always go together. That I cannot just hear. See, I've got a journal at home full of things I've heard the Lord say. And most of what I've heard requires some action of obedience. So in James 1, let's go ahead and start in verse 21. He says, "Therefore, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he's looked at himself and gone away, he has, a, has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. The blessing is in what I do. The blessing follows obedience. The blessing follows the doing. So once he's looked at himself, he's gone away and he forgets what kind of man he is. There are times I hear the Lord say things to me and uh, I forget what kind of man I am. I forget that I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit. I forget that God is with me. I forget that he is strong and mighty and powerful. I forget that he is greater than any obstacle I'll face in my obedience. I forget what kind of man that I am. I am never alone in my journey and my walk with the Lord. It's never all up to me. My obedience is required, but God partners with me and strengthens me and builds me up and gives me what I need to make sure that I have all I need to walk in obedience to what I've heard him say. We partner together with God that I must shift my focus to make sure that I am not looking 
at what the Lord is asking me to step out into and then looking at myself in a natural mirror. Because if I look at myself in a natural mirror, I will always be deficient. And if all you are doing is looking at your natural self and your desire to walk in obedience to God, you will always be deficient. Because see, God's not asking me to do something I could do because then why would I need him? He's always going to ask me to go beyond. He's always going to ask me to do something that requires a little bit of supernatural. See, Peter didn't know, couldn't walk on water apart from supernatural. So I, God's going to lead me into something that is bigger and greater than my ability to do because he wants to partner with me and show me how big and great he is. So if all I'm doing is looking at my natural self, I will always be deficient if I'm drawing up out of my own resources. But this passage of scripture says this, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law of liberty and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. See, there's something about changing mirrors that when I change the mirror that I look at myself in and I see myself in the mirror of God's word, I see myself differently. That scripture tells me that I am to look intently at the perfect law of liberty. That word intently there means that I need to be, it's like this laser focus. It's like a bullet versus buckshot. I mean, it's a laser focus. You are bending down to get a better look. You are intent in purpose. So when I look into the perfect law of liberty, I see myself in the light of who God has made me to be. I see myself in the light of who God is in me, and I see God for who he really is. And when I walk away and I don't forget what I've just seen, but I allow what I've just seen to get rooted, it says this, that it is the engrafted, implanted word that saves my soul. And I look at it long enough for it to change my perspective. I stay with it long enough so that when I walk away from this word and I am face to face with my challenge, I don't forget who I am. I don't forget who God is in me. And that we're partnering together to see the manifestation of what I've heard him say to me. It's the word implanted that saves my soul. To go ahead and, and embrace challenge. Bill handed me this illustration this morning that I thought was so good about the idea of how we need challenge. It says a number of years back, the codfish industry on the northeast coast of the U.S. had a problem. The fresher the fish, the better. So how could they keep the cod fish fresh while they transported them across the country. When they froze the fish, they lost too much flavor. When they transported them live in tanks filled with salt water, the fish got soft and mushy. Finally, they found a solution. They placed a catfish in the tanks. Catfish are natural enemies of the codfish so that the catfish would chase them around the tanks all the time they're being transported. The codfish now arrived in better condition than ever. 
there's nothing that God's going to ask you to do that doesn't have some challenge to it. We all need a catfish in our tank. <laughs> See, I want to I wanna respond to the catfish in my tank, and I want to face it, you know, uh, challenge it back, and allow God to change me because of the challenge that I face in my obedience to him. See, I, I will never discover the fullness of who I am in God and what he's called me to if all I'm doing is looking in my natural mirror and saying, too many, not enough. Too many, not enough. And I live my life in the limitations and the smallness of my own self. And I miss the excitement of following God, discovering who he's made me to be, what he's called me to do. Amen? Amen. So I don't know where you are today, um, but I, I, I just felt like God wanted to, to just encourage us today and challenge us a little bit today, that we would be a people who, when God said, it's time to risk, we say, yes and amen, let's do it. When it's time to take that step of faith, when you've heard the Lord say things to you, and there's a piece of obedience that releases God in your situation, to not be afraid to take that step of obedience, to look in the mirror and not forget who you are. <clears throat> so I just want to call the worship team up this morning. And I just, I don't know where God is asking you to step out and take some risk. But I think all of us here could say, you know, I've heard the Lord say some things to me. And I think there is an action of obedience that accompanies it that will release what I've heard the Lord say. And I know for some of you here today, you, you may hear the Lord saying, come to me. You may have really never, you really don't know God that well. I mean, you may not know him at all this morning, but you hear him drawing you and saying, come, I want to teach you about who I am. So if that's you this morning, I want you to feel the liberty to come forward this morning and get prayer. If you're here this morning and you're saying, the, hearing the Lord say to you, come, I want to heal your body this morning. I come to the healer this morning. I want to touch your body. If you're, if you're here today and you're hearing the Lord say, come, I'm drawing you into a new adventure. Uh, come this morning and receive prayer to be strengthened and encouraged in your willingness to take that step of faith. If you're here this morning and you're hearing the Lord say, come, in any way, if there's any area of your life where you know God has, you've heard him say some things, and there's this action of obedience that he's asking of you. This morning, I believe he wants to strengthen you and encourage you to take that step of faith, to walk in obedience and see God be released. So Seth, if you'd go ahead and lead us in a, a prayer. If that's you, worship, uh, prayer team, if you'd come forward this morning.